You're listening to the Night Demon Network. Go to nightdemon.net slash subscriber to unlock more exclusive content. Hello and welcome to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Nesbitt, and I'm sure by now you're familiar with the newest Night Demon single, Outsider, from the forthcoming album, also named Outsider. But today we're going to dig into the song that sets it all up. This is Prelude. This track is the setup to the title track. Um, it's track one, Outsiders track two. I went ahead and covered the title track last episode, and now I'm going to backtrack a bit and dig into this opening track from the album. A bit out of order, but I really wanted to cover the single Outsider on the day it was released. So now the song that completely sets up the album and the lead single, Prelude. The Prelude acts as an intro to the album. Not only that, it's also an intro to the title track, Outsider. So a prelude, the definition is an introductory piece of music, most commonly an orchestral opening to an act of an opera, the first movement of a suite, or a piece preceding a fugue. It's also a short introductory piece of music, especially for the piano, is what it says. Um, that was not our intention when we made this to have piano on it initially. Uh, but there, there it is. It's in there. So I guess that's a serendipitous in a way, but basically the prelude has the, it's in the same key as the song outsider. It also has a lot of the same notes in it. Um, and so I was just fucking around on the bass and came up with, you know, what was kind of that main riff of how, the song starts. Um, but that was the idea. It was through and through to have an intro to the album as we normally do and an intro to the song Outsider. So why not just make it an extension of itself, but also have it be its own track. That was something that, uh, you know, kind of came about. We wanted to have something like, uh, kind of like, you know, the intro to Welcome to the Night, something that kicks the album off.
sets the vibe. And, you know, that's exactly what the prelude does on this record. I think that when you listen to, like, Welcome to the Night on Darkness Remains, the intro is pretty epic, but it's, it's part of the, of the track. It's part of the song, Welcome to the Night. On This time around, we definitely wanted to do something a little bit different where those two are companions to each other, Prelude and Outsider. However, you have a definitive intro as its own track, especially since it's just over two minutes long. It's just too much to sit through, whereas the song Outsider just kicks in right away. So Prelude is basically our attempt at creating a score or a piece for, say, like a montage or something in a movie. It's a very cinematic uh, piece of music. Um, I really enjoyed working on this. It was like, you know, something a little different, obviously. Um, not a guitar-based piece, even though there is some pretty bitchin' guitar stuff on that. I think when you first hear it, it's kind of one of those things like, hmm, you know, where's this album going to go? And it's really cool. I think it's it's a unique sounding opening track. It's got the build up. It's got a bit of suspense. It's got a bit of the uh, throwback '80s vibe, horror movie type thing where it's you know synthy and uh, it's got the piano and the big drum sounds. And I think it's a good piece of music. I think it's really unique. It was cool to be in the studio and uh, see that that piece of music take shape. Yeah, and I think it definitely, if that's the first thing you're going to hear on this new record, you know, it's, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, for me, there's no other way of listening, especially to the first song, Outsider, without having that, the prelude as the build-up to it, because it just creates so much cool tension and... You know, by the time it explodes in, you're just like ready for it. So, yeah, I'm really happy with the way it came out. And I think it'll be a good way to kind of introduce, um, you know, Night Demon Mach 3 or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> as far as being a big step or leap for, for the Night Demon sound with a track like this, you know, I think it's a, it's pretty much a natural progression. If you listen to the orchestral outro on the song Darkness Remains or the intro on Welcome to the Night or even the keyboard stuff that we're doing on Save Me Now back in 2015 with uh, the Curse of the Damned album. Um, you know, this is kind of right in our wheelhouse here. Um, it's definitely an interesting way to start a record. It's very moody and it's very dark, but it does have a really nice buildup. And I think that's really crucial when you're talking about an album listener. This this record was definitely written, you know, in that mindset. It's a it's a complete body of it's it's a complete work, the 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 album from start to finish in chronological order. So there is no other way in my mind that this album could have started but you know with this track. The teaser video that we released on Christmas Day 2022 featuring the prelude was just kind of, I guess it's a Christmas gift in a way <laughs> to the fans, but also for us to just kind of subtly tease what's coming. Well, there's no mention there about the album or the album title. 
except for in the lyrics at the very end of the track. But, you know, it just says the Night Demon logo and 2023. So something's coming. People are smart enough to figure that out. And with the new piece of music, most people, I'm sure, guess that a new record was coming. The prelude video, I'm glad we we ended up doing something like that um, because I wanted to give people... It's cool because it gives people like a... It's a... I mean, it's a movie trailer, basically, you know, just the just the audio alone. Um, all the footage that Jarvis shot over in Ireland of the place, basically, that inspired this whole story that weaves through the record um, is in this little video teaser thing. And, of course, the song itself being a teaser uh, is a good way to get people thinking and, you know, get them to start talking about you know, what, what are we doing? What, what's coming out? What is this thing that we're going to release? But what's cool about the video is it's all stock footage that I filmed in an actual location in Donegal, Ireland. And this location was the basis of the complete story of Outsider, the fictitious story that I wrote. And, uh, you know, Upon my girlfriend, Laura, taking me there, I was very inspired by this place, and I had visited it many times. And it's basically just this road that comes out of nowhere from the main road and is covered by trees. And you keep walking up this road, and there is literally an abandoned church there and a graveyard uh, that overlooks the sea. It's, it's a very beautiful sight to see. Um, I think there's a lot of untold stories there. And I wanted to just add to the Night Demon mythos by creating another story that inspired me based on this physical location. So that's what you have in that video. It's the actual location. And that's cool because I think that a lot of times creatively, we can come up with anything in our minds. Everything you see around the world was a creation of somebody's mind. But to actually be inspired by something that is pre-existing and to be able to show that to the world, to the listeners of this record, I think is even more special. So that's something that I'm super stoked on. Yeah. The writing of this was again, something that Jarvis had on the bass. Um, a lot, there's a lot of stuff on this album that you'll hear that is based around bass. Um, really cool kind of melodic, um, like almost like a piece that could be on its own. I know that Jarvis always wanted to do sort of his own um, anesthesia pulling teeth kind of bass solo thing, like on the first Metallica album. Uh, there is something that we have recorded before, but it never, I don't know, he's never happy with it. So instead of going for like a really heavy, distorted lead kind of bass thing, he opted to go in the more you know, maybe something like more like The Cure, which is one of my favorite, favorite bands of all time that aren't metal. But I love their atmospheres and the vibes and all the cool bass riffs that they have. So I'm really stoked to be able to bring that kind of a thing into this band. Back in early January of 2020, so right at the beginning of 2020, pre-pandemic, so before we had done the vocals on Are You Out There?, um, kill, before we did the vocals on Kill the Pain, before we even wrote the song Visteria, I was already 
trying to write some stuff for these new singles. And that's when I came up with the main riff for the prelude. And I was just fucking around on the bass. You know, I was really trying to extend myself on the bass guitar, and you'll hear that a lot on the Outsider album, to just be more of a multi-dimensional player and have a lot more dynamics in my playing, be able to do some clean stuff with some chorus or some reverb, be able to get even heavier on the heavier parts with the bass, some more power chords, some more intricate lines, and just be a lot more melodic to where the guitar can really do its own thing and didn't even, you know, we don't have to copy each other. The, we've talked about it a lot before that there are so many limitations by having just one guitar and one bass in a band. However, it's all about, you know, what you make of those limitations. If you want to even call them that it's a good opportunity to not rest on your laurels and expand outside of that. And that's just what happens when, you know, myself or Armand, we're just jamming with ourselves and we hit record and, and stuff like this happens. So this riff has been floating around for quite a while. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff came after this in the way of Year of the Demon, but it ended up that this this riff that I was just messing around with is the intro to this album. Building the song around the bass riff, it didn't really come until later. It didn't really come until we wrote the song Outsider. And when I had those riffs, it was a much heavier song, obviously. And I noticed that I was playing it in the same key as this intro bass riff, which would become Prelude. And I actually tried to combine the two and go, oh, well, can we can we do something in an Outsider where we go to this other place and it gets really mellowed out and, and, and I play this riff? It just didn't work out like that. So that's when the whole idea of a Prelude came up. Like, well, there could be a part two of this song, but what if it was... What if the actual song was part two, right? What if there was a, a prequel to this song? And that's what came to mind. And it didn't need any additional lyrics. It just needed to be a moody instrumental setup. And that's exactly how it came about. Uh, there really wasn't any demoing for this one. Uh, we, Like I said, we kind of laid the groundwork in the studio. Now, when talking about how the elements of it came in and, and, and all came together, you know, there was, I kind of had this idea, and this this would have been late summer of 2020 when we were really working on this stuff. And during the pandemic, I don't know, I was kind of having, 
it was actually, I'll be honest, it was a good time for me. It, it, it forced me to put the brakes on with all the chaos and everything that was going on in, in the, in the world of nine demon. And we got to finish our studio. We got to spend a lot of time together writing and just kind of rebuilding our lives at the point that we were at. And I kind of had, you know, like the world of, of, of horror and sci-fi and stuff, you know, this stuff never really has never left me. But now that I had time to get back into stuff, I kind of had this like renaissance of getting back into a lot of old films that I loved. And, you know, I was at this point feeling inspired to, you know, maybe dig in and, and write another film script. Um, I was watching a lot of old classics that I love. And when the idea to, to do the prelude came up, I was kind of thinking more along the lines of kind of John Carpenter-esque kind of feel. So not something that's totally spooky and total, you know, total horror, but more of a suspenseful, dark kind of take where, you know, there's definitely a mood that's set, but it's not something that's overtly scary. It's almost mysterious in a way. And that's when, you know, when we started working on this and tracking it, that's when I had the idea, you know, of Armand to, to come out and bring out the old Jupiter 8. So Armand had the Roland, like this crazy synth, classic piano thing, keyboard thing, actually, from the 80s that's pretty rare and worth a lot of money. So it's it's pretty cool that he has it, you know. So to have that at our disposal and really, you know, kind of work with that really set the tone. It was really fun creating all those sounds, uh, getting out the the, the synthesizer. Uh, most of the sounds were created from a uh, Roland Jupiter 8 synthesizer that my dad, um, I don't know if he willingly kind of let me have it or I just kind of... Um, commandeered it from his archives of keyboards because he's got you know a handful of keyboards that don't ever get used anymore because he's always buying the next best thing the newest thing so but that keyboard is really really something special and there's not that many actually that were made I think there was only like 2500 of those made in the world so really unique sound really thick analog sound so it was really cool and uh, enjoyable to create this atmosphere for this um, setup for the record. Glad he hasn't sold it yet because it's worth an extreme amount of money these days because they just don't make them anymore and you can't find them. And they don't make the actual electronics that go in them. So um, we uh, took the took this thing out of the case and loaded it up. And we actually compared it to some of the virtual synths there are Jupiter 8 emulations that we have on the computer. And for some reason, it just didn't. Well, I know the reason, but, you know, analog sound versus digital sound, even though it's getting much better these days, it just it just doesn't compare. And even when you hear the recording, you hear a kind of high pitch noise that's coming through those analog outputs. That's not something that we wanted there. That's actually interference noise. But again, it's it adds something to the human ear. So we just we just dealt with it and kept that in there. But when, when you talk about the intro, 
being kind of Carpenter-esque, you know, I basically had an idea that I wanted to start this song with the bass. And what I was going to do was I was, I was working with a sound that I had where I had kind of a flanger on the bass. And I would play, I would drop tune my bass to a low D flat. And I was palm muting on the top string and I had the flanger on to create that sound that went dun, 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 dun. But I just wasn't getting the consistency with it and the string was flopping all around. And so when we brought the Jupiter 8 in, I Armand took that idea and just put it into basically a sequencer on the on the synth so he could just hold that note and it would just it would just play in that sequence that dun 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 and with that he was messing with the oscillators as he as that was going so you can hear the sound oscillate back and forth into the end where it starts to right before the the piano part comes in it starts to get really dirty and nasty when he brings that oscillation up So the first sound that you hear is a is that keyboard that I mentioned before, the Jupiter 8, the pulsing kind of, you know, almost helicopter-ish sounding thing. Uh, that was made with the arpeggiator on the keyboard. What that is, is you, you know, you can hold a chord or even just one note and it has a pulse to it. You know, you could set the speed of that. But if you hold a chord, it actually cycles through each note. And you can adjust, um, you know, how the notes sustain or are they really short notes, you know, basically any type of note that you want. You can adjust it by these little sliders. So it's something that you have to kind of like create, you know. It's not like you just click on presets, although it does have a very rudimentary way to save uh, programs and patches, but the minute you touch one of the sliders or the knobs on this thing, it just like changes. So it's very organic and kind of has a life of its own. That was really close. That was cool though. That, was that no, 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 that was cool. That oscillation at the end, you know. Yeah, there you go. So that's your starting point, right? With more, more vibrato, right? <coughs> or that's the lower one that you're playing. So it's it's a lot of stuff done manually with an old analog synth, and that's cool because when you listen to this, this is all, you know, we're really playing all of these instruments on this intro. It's great. It's not some kind of computer emulation. It's not, there's no automation involved. So it really took a lot of time and thought, and I was super proud of being able to do that. It just, you know, it, it was a great way to start the record. It really got the creative juices flowing. We were kind of stepping outside the box and going, what are we going to do here? 
with all this other instrumentation. Let's just make sure that we're the ones playing it. So the first thing we did was we laid down the synth tracks. Once we were able to do that, at least the, the initial part, the buildup, I was able to play that bass riff over it. Nothing felt better than putting on a fresh pair of strings and getting that like piano-like chime on those strings with a little bit of a chorus effect and a reverb. I think the bass sound is incredible on it, and it really works well with that dirty synth underneath it. So as I mentioned before, right when that oscillation builds up, right when the first round of the bass riff goes around, Armand has an old piano in the studio, and all the guts are exposed. It's not completely tuned. Uh, it's not super out of tune, but it was really cool to go in and do that. The piano sound, yeah, that's something that I wrote just messing around here. I've got a cool old little, it's not even a full upright piano. It's I think they call it a spinet. Um, you know, the the harp, which has all the strings on it is basically that's the whole size of the piano. And that's um, usually the harp is in the top part of an upright or on a grand piano, it's laying down. Uh, this one is in the whole back cabinet that's like basically behind, behind the keys. And it's really cool. It's, it's uh, um, It was given to me by my good buddy's dad, my good buddy Aaron Orbit, his dad, um, who is a big part of helping to build and, you know, the captain's quarters and also was a big inspiration for me as a recording engineer. Um, he brought this piano in and it's really cool because it's very like all the cabinet is like opened up so you can see all the strings and everything. And it's that also gives it a really lively, like resonant sound. So it has a really cool, like creepy sound to it. And I thought it was perfect to lay down on this. It's kind of like a Sad Wings of Destiny kind of intro. It was kind of inspired by that. And again, we tried a digital emulator first and it just didn't sound right. So we mic'd up that piano and he sat there and I sat there with him and just tried to figure out what the notes were that we could do over it. It's that second part. I think I got the main part. So I'll come out there with the piano, that's it. That sounded good, yeah? yeah? And he played some real dissonant stuff that was just, it was incredible. Like, it, it just totally worked over that. And at that point, when that piano comes in, I go 
to just playing these these sustained two note bass chords. So I break the riff when the synth keeps going with the dun 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 dun. But we're he's now with the synth changing with the keys of with the key of the song as the as the keys change as the notes change. So that's the build up there. It starts with the synth. The bass line comes in. Then the piano comes in over it. The bass goes to sustained chords. Then we totally break and go into a whole nother really somber mode in in a, in the key of C minor. And I kind of play this syncopated bass line. And Armand at that point came in with these guitar swells that were so awesome. So now we're adding the guitar to it. So we're building here and there's still piano underneath it. There's still synth on, underneath it. So it's completely building up. Basically, we tried to kind of re to introduce a new sound every, you know, whatever, eight bars or four bars or every time it, it goes to a new part, we try to bring a new section in. So, um, yeah, I mean, all of those sounds besides the piano and the guitar stuff is all done on that keyboard, that Jupiter 8. So it shows you how versatile that thing is. Uh, the volume swells again, just a atmospheric little trick to do with guitar. Um, I layered a few different harmonies doing that. Um, it's something that also is a sort of a theme that goes through the record you'll hear in some of the other songs, or at least one other track on the record has that same kind of those volume swell kind of things. Then when we go back to, I guess, kind of the intro riff, there's another synth on top that adds that real John Carpenter type of, you know, spooky kind of um, the high the high pitch synth. Almost something, though, that would be in like a, a, the soundtrack of a movie like Creepshow or an old episode of Tales from the Dark Side. You know, kind of a very 80s sounding thing. But, I mean, I just, we love that sound. Um so right when it breaks, right before the drums come in, I'm going to make an omission here, and I hope that uh, uh, this doesn't come back to us. But you know, the idea wasn't to be to do a carpenter type thing. But once we started doing it, it was like it was that's what it was feeling like to me. Like this song could be even like an Escape from New York or something like this, right? Um, so right before it goes into the heavy part where the guitars get really heavy and the drums come in, um. I was thinking about the movie Christine. So Christine, based on the Stephen King story, another great Carpenter film. There's a part after uh, the main character, Arnie, goes through, you know, his, his uh, you know, uh, peril, his uh, dark night of the soul, if you will. Um, and his car gets all smashed up by, by the bullies. Christine gets all smashed up. And so he goes to the storage warehouse and sees the car. And it's, you know, at this point he's completely controlled by the car and he's in love with the car. And 
it's just ripped to shreds. Uh, but this is where the darkness takes over him. And, the, it, you know, this is actually where he he comes into his power. And he knows that this car can fix, can, she can fix herself up. And he uh, he stares at the car and he's got this crazy maniacal stare. And he just says, show me. Okay. Show me. And that's the moment where Christine completely rebuilds herself right in front of his own eyes. But right when he says, show me, the lights, the headlights of the car turn on and there's a sound uh, like a synth sound on this keyboard, this and I thought that was so great. And I was like, we need to recreate that sound somehow. Well, we tried long and hard, but we, we were not as successful as, as we had hoped. So I just said, you know what, let's just lift it from the movie. It's a, it's a tribute. It is just one sound. And so if you listen to the isolated tracks, you can actually hear that sound from the movie, Christine, right when the drums come in. There's sort of like this bell sound that drops in pitch. And that we actually borrowed from, I forget what the name of the movie is, but it's a movie, It's a, I think it's a Stephen King movie, but it's basically about a car that comes alive and it's a horror movie and all that. And there's a scene in the garage when the car basically like comes alive and the lights turn on by itself and that sound is from that scene. So... Hopefully, uh, well, I just gave it away, but, you know, I guess we can't really get in trouble for that. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's just a sound effect. So there's a little little Easter egg for you there. So after that buildup, we come to the crescendo of the song. The drums come in here, and it's basically just Dusty playing with mallets on a couple floor toms. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, we pretty much had the groundwork laid as far as the synth and the piano. And I came in, you know, with a drum idea with kind of like a tribal, it's not really tribal, it's just a couple big hits that go along with the vibe of the song. Armand is playing this. You know, we tried to make the guitar as fucked up sounding as we could here, as distorted as we could. It just sounds like a fucking chainsaw, but he's playing these really high-noted chords. And it just, it sounds so epic. It's so big here that when I go back to the bass line, you can almost not even hear it. It's still there and it's implied, but, you know, I'm still playing very clean on this part. So you get to this. Now, midway through the crescendo here, we, we tracked uh, more drums. We pretty much came in and set up a bunch of floor toms. And the three of us actually played the drum parts after I came up with a certain idea. 
Um, I believe Jarvis said it needed to kind of have like a drum roll in there too at the same time. It can't just be big hits because it's boring. So that's where we came up with the, uh, I don't know if they're, yeah, they're like 16th notes that you play on there. And that kind of drum roll part kind of really brought it together. So that was a good idea. And then bringing in that big drum, you know, thing. We wanted it to be kind of like a like a drumline cadence sort of thing, you know. You know, you can you can overdub things over and over again with the same person playing it. But the cool thing about having multiple people playing together in the room, um, you know, the different times even though you're all basically playing on the same beat you know there's little tiny uh you know inconsistencies between the players that makes it a cool whole like it might not sound good with just two people but once you get three four five people playing the same thing together then it really starts sounding like that and so we took that we did that and we layered that a few times to make it sound like you know 10 people playing these drums together uh, we just basically used some toms from Dusty's drum kit and, uh, you know, mallets instead of sticks. Although we might have, you know, one of us might have been playing sticks because I only think I have a couple pairs of mallets and Dustin had one, had a pair of those too. So that's how we did that. Hey, can you hand me that thing? Justin said there's another one. Oh, that one? Should I take that one? That yeah. was the other one. All right, yeah. Because their that. one's broken that one. here. What's broken? That. One of the I, 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 didn't see the, I didn't see the big fucking fluffer at the other end. I just saw this side. Oh, that's yeah. for the turbine. I didn't, see, I didn't see the butt plug. That's for the Whoa, that's interesting. Well, the thing is we'll layer it and put like yeah. four on I mean, top. that's what's cool about it. It sounds like multiple drums, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole point. So me and Armand and Dusty are actually all each playing a big floor time with mallets. So that's the three of us playing together, the drums. And we all played that together, and it was fucking, it was awesome. It felt like a, it was a great collective effort. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're on the team and, and you're on the right track and you're, you're in the playoffs and you feel like, you know, you have a shot at winning this thing. <laughs> that's basically how it felt. But so it goes into that big crescendo. It goes into all of us playing the drums together, and then it just slowly, slowly fades down to where I sing the lines, which are the first chorus of the song Outsider, but it's at the end of the song Prelude. Outsider, solitary is the path you're on. Then the song kicks right in. So, I mean, I don't know how much more epic you can make this. <laughs> but if you listen to the synths that come out 
at the end and the syncopated uh, little bass line that I'm playing underneath the vocal. It's really cool how everything came together. And again, it's all analog and it's all manual. So though that's, that's this whole orchestral intro, if you want to call it that, is you know, the three members of this band putting our heads and our hands together and getting down and dirty and using the instruments that we have around us, stuff that we don't normally play, to create something that's a bit different that sets up this beautiful story. So yeah, recording this song, basically, again, it's all based around the bass, the bass lines. So, you know, first off, having Jarvis lay down the the bass for the whole track, you know, and then just building off of that, basically, that's how it went. Um, yeah, and then we just kept, kept adding little layers and tweaking the sounds on the synthesizer as we went around. So we recorded this, obviously, in the captain's quarters because it was during the pandemic, and we did the whole record there. Um, but, you know, I think after the singles campaign where we, you know, filmed everything on location and all these studios around the world that we were going to, we just decided, you know, to keep that going. And at this time, I think when we did this, the podcast was only one week old. So we had kind of already known at this point, look, we need to be a band that just records and films everything we do so that we can continue our story with our fans, friends, and listeners and, and our viewers really, and capture all of this behind the scenes stuff. So we, you know, we didn't do a whole lot of it recording this album, but for the prelude, we definitely had, had a lot of footage running. And, um, you know, another thing too is uh, decibel magazine had asked to do a studio report and they did a full page on us. And the only photos we had were pictures of us recording the prelude. So there's pictures of us in this magazine. We're all playing this these big drums and with you know, there's all these keyboards around and stuff. And I'm sure people saw that in the magazine and they're like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> you know, where where's this going? What this band's making another record and, and there's all this stuff around? What's happening? You know, but I thought that was pretty cool. And so to release the prelude first. Um, I think made total sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the perfect intro to an album, and it's also a perfect intro to a live show, which we will we will be doing this in the future. Uh, I think the way we're going to do it is basically have... We'll probably have to use the synth sounds on a backing track. Now, the cool thing about those synth sounds is that the way they're... With that pulsating track, it almost creates like a click track. So I think the way we're going to do this, or at least the way I would like to do it, is, you know, as we introduce each part, you know, Jarvis would come out, start the bass, the bass line with the synths. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to fucking play the, play the piano on this live, too. I mean... If, if we had the time to set up a little keyboard or something, I could do that because there's time to switch between that and go into the, you know, the guitar parts. And then once the drums come in, you know, everything's there. And then we can just all hit that last chord together. Jarvis could string, sing that little, that little part, Outsider. And then boom, right into that song. 
talk about an epic intro. I think it would be really fucking cool. So keep an eye out for that, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be doing that at some point here. Everything aside, with this being a prelude to Outsider and this being an intro to the album, I think just as a standalone piece of music, this has been one of the most inspiring pieces that we've ever created together as a band. And I don't just say that because we expanded beyond ourselves instrumentally, but just the entire mood and the build of it, it's not just an intro. It's not just a prelude. It's not just a throwaway setup track. To me, it's, it's its own song in a way. And the time and effort put into it and the structure of it all and the peaks and the valleys are what really makes this song special. So it is a prelude. It is an intro. It will forever be known as that. But that's there's a reason that this song is its own standalone track because it definitely deserves that. I just think that the prelude is really important to set the tone. It really builds it up, uh, gives the listener some sort of, you know, suspense, wondering where it's going to go, what's this album going to be like. I really think it's a cool piece of music that is unique. It stands on its own. That's it, Prelude. Um, Our first, well, not really. I mean, it's like building off of what we did with Welcome to the Night, you know? It's taking that and then just really going to the next level with that because that didn't really have any. It just had the the main, you know, parts and that acoustic part thing I just kind of wrote to fit that intro. Um, this is more of a band thing, so it's really cool to be able to have a, a really cool cinematic sounding intro that we can also perform live. So really looking forward to that. Well, that's it for Prelude, a killer intro to the album. And an intro to the title track, and eventually an intro to the live show. So that's two tracks from Outsider now that we've covered. Lots more coming in the next week. Uh, Outsider is released March 17th of this year, and you can pre-order it now. Check out NightDemon.net for details on all the formats and shirts and bundles. Uh, While you're there at NightDemon.net, check out the subscriber section for bonus content from every episode. This week, we have some pretty cool stuff. Uh, When the guys were recording this in the studio, they pretty much left a camera running so we have video of the guys in Night Demon recording and writing all of these parts on bass, guitar and the Roland Jupiter 8 keyboard and the piano also the guys recording the drums Um, if you listen to this podcast you've probably heard us talk about the Captain's Quarters which is Armand's studio and if you ever wondered what it looks like inside here's an insider's pass to check it all out Uh, that's in the subscriber section on nightdemon.net until next time this is Nesbitt signing off
Thanks for listening to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Head over to nightdemon.net, click on the subscriber tab, and sign up to access exclusive weekly bonus content. If you would like to donate to support the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, you can do so through PayPal at paypal.me slash nightdemonmetal. Additionally, if you have not already done so, please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. All hail, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners. This is Dusty Squires chiming in to tell you about my brand new signature sticks from the London Drumstick Company. I've dreamt of having my very own drumsticks ever since I was a wee lad, and LDC made that a possibility for me. Founded in 2016 in London, England, the birthplace of heavy metal, the London Drumstick Company has trailblazed a path through the music industry and taken the drummer world by storm. When I met them for the first time, they knew their product was going to withstand the beatings of a Night Demon show. They took the time to work with me on getting everything just right. The balance and weight of my sticks are the same no matter what, and the durability is bar none the best I've ever had. I know my sticks will last through the set night after night. I'm truly honored to work with a company that caters to their players the way LDC does. Their innovation and attention to detail is what separates them from the rest of the stick makers out there. Their custom stick sleeves are unbelievable and really make the entire presentation complete. Wait until you see the design they came up with for me. It blew my mind and was a surprise to say the least. They have all kinds of amazing swag, including hoodies, t-shirts, drummer shorts, drum keys, stick bags, towels, face masks, practice pads, and much, much more. Even if you're not a drummer, you can be a part of Demon History and order my brand new signature sticks direct from their website. How cool is that? And to top it off, the London Drumstick Company are giving an exclusive offer to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners. Go to londondrumsticks.co.uk and receive a 15%, 15% store-wide discount using promo code DEMONSTICKS. All capital letters, no spaces, DEMONSTICKS. D-E-M-O-N-S-T-I-C-K-S. I can't thank everyone there enough for the opportunity to be a part of their family and for them trusting me with their amazing products. See you metal maniacs on the road very soon. And yes, the wood chips will be flying. Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Visit our website at monstersmadnessandmagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the sanctuary of the strange. Enjoy the show. Hey Metalheads, I'm Mark and I host Metal Forge. Let me tell you about the show. The Metal Forge features the best underground metal from all over the world. We spend every week with a different artist with interviews, in-depth conversations, and most of all, the music. 
We also feature audience interactivity where you can submit your questions to the upcoming guests. New episodes are out every Friday at noon Eastern Time at MetalForgeRadio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Want to know what's going on in the world of music? Then tune in to the Nothing Shocking Podcast, a non-genre-based, all-ages-friendly rock and roll program. Join us weekly for interviews with all your favorite rock stars from the mainstream to the underground. You can find us at nothingshocking.libsyn.com or anywhere you download podcasts. Okay, Metalheads, you've been complaining that there has not been a channel that plays all of the heavy metal videos from past, present, and future for years and years at this point. Well, that time is over. Heavy Metal Television is back. HeavyMetalTelevision.net is the website. Go there. You can see videos playing 24-7, 365, all the time. All the best from the old school, the new school, and everything in between. Check it out. HeavyMetalTelevision.net. It is where the metal is.